Well, I lost my voice again. Keeps happening right when I need to tape these things. It's embarrassing. Last time I had sort of a Barry White thing going on. This time, it sounds like the writer's block with Kathleen Turner. What are you going to do? Here's the good news. The five words everyone with a podcast wants to say. My guest is Sarah Silverman. Oh my God, it's true. I talked her into it. It was such a treat. She's so fantastic and talented and funny. And she has a level of clarity that is just beyond refreshing. I've known Sarah a long time. She's been through so much of what the industry has to dish out. And she's come out the other side of it, a thoughtful, focused artiste, which is what she is. And she was kind enough to share some of these experiences with me and therefore you. And that means us. And that rhymes with bus. And I don't know where this is going. We talk about Sarah's desire to produce content that is not only funny, but also explores genuine emotion. And after I soften her up with an offering of oddball candy products, which I happen to know are her kryptonite, Sarah shares her thoughts on creativity, the industry, how those two things often battle it out with each other, and what you can do to overcome that battle. Hint, don't need money. Good luck with that, by the way. FYI, there's a weird edit point about 15 minutes in. I usually try to avoid that, but in this case, I was on the other side of the country. This was part of the world-famous Writer's Block LA trip. Everyone's talking about it. Anyway, I got a FaceTime call from my wife and kids, so I stopped the recording so I could take it, but I started it back up and left some of that in there because Sarah's response to the whole thing was just too adorable. She loves kids, this one. Here's your proof. I make Sarah laugh, which is always fun, but I also make her giggle, which is even better because her giggle sounds like an angel tickling another angel. Too much? You be the judge. What do I care? I'm speaking my mind. Sarah talks about her new internet venture, Jash.com, where she, quote, doesn't make any money, but she gets to think of an idea and shoot it the next week. And it's exactly that freedom that she seems to have a huge crush on. And why not? Sarah Silverman is an excellent friend. I'm always happy to see her. I'm thrilled to have her as a guest on the podcast. She has an amazing talent for seeing complicated situations in a very simple, honest, and of course, hilarious way. And there are so many examples of that sprinkled throughout this episode. I got to the point where I stopped trying to list them and felt it was better for you just to enjoy them as they come. So sit back, blockheads, and prepare to be bathed in the wisdom of Silverman. You're part of the writer's block now. Let's do this. I, the, the very first, just about the very first thing that everybody says on this podcast is, have you started? That's how you know we're going. Uh, did we start? <laughs> yeah, I nail everybody with it. Hey! Ah! Sarah Silverman is on the writer's block. Hi, Do Sarah. Do I need to sit up or lean in or anything? I think, you know, it's best if we're kind of like a little closer to it, you know? You had a casual yeah, thing going. I didn't want to ruin it. It was very nice. microphone. But I know, right? Is it sexy? Yeah. It's kind of, it's, oh, it's a little too sexy, don't you think? It's, it's, it's sleek. That's sleek? Good God. What do you got laying around here? It's like a Coke can, this thing. Oh, I don't know how. <laughs> microphone, podcast microphoning, gadgets work. You talk into them and then people can hear it. Oh, oh. Yeah, like wherever they are. Once I, you know, once you do things. I got to do things still. Sarah just took a spin class. Yeah. And that we how how often do you go to the spin class? I try to go three times, two or three times a week. Have you ever done more than that? 
No. It's exhausting. Because then I have a, an elliptical and I try to sit on, I try to do that while I watch my favorite shows. Which are? Like Walking Dead. I'm not cut up. I'm one, I haven't seen Sundays All right, yet. all right. Um, Dexter, Mad Men, Walking Dead. What else do I like? What about... Um, oh, God. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Homeland. Wow. You're just busy with the hour-long dramas, I love you? every... I love all hour-long dramas. That's Damages is maybe my favorite next to The Sopranos. Miss Dame Glenn Close. Oh, my God. She's incredible. And she's Rose crazy. Yeah. And Ted Danson. The... Um, that's... You know, I got to tell you something. And I feel bad about this because I like to have things in common with you. But that's the polar opposite of what I... I, I can't... I, I don't you watch allow comedy? My, I do. I don't allow myself to get wrapped up in hour long dramas because I don't I don't have the time for it. Oh uh, well what I do and it's is sad I because have to they watch, are good. My favorite shows I have to watch on the elliptical. That's my rule for me. Right. So that you're on there for an hour. Yeah, or at least half of it. Sweet. At least <laughs> But uh I have a hard time watching comedies. You don't have a hard time you don't have that kind of Anxiety of influence. Of it affecting what I'm going to produce? I don't want it to go in the back of my brain somewhere and, and you know, come out accidentally. or I, I just don't, I don't want to be, I, it, see, it's hard because I think it's important to be influenced and inspired. I watch Girls. I watch Louie. And I do try to be inspired by... Louis not a new up and coming person, but he's he's changing the landscape of comedy, you know, and and I think Lena Dunham is brilliant personally. And um, I want to be influenced and I want to be inspired by these things. But in, in general, watching comedies, you know, when I happen upon Parks and Rec, I love it. So good. I love that it has heart, but it's it's straight up funny, but it's got, it's kind of beautiful too. And I think that's a combination that comics have been afraid of for a long time. You know, like comedy and, and beauty, you know. I, I've known a couple of people that have worked there, and, you know, the, one of the things that they all say having worked there is how much they fall in love with the cast like it you know, and yes. you watch it and it's like you know that it's uh, you know like Ron Swanson is one of the you know I would say like oh Ron Swanson is like one of the best characters on television and they just launch into uh Nick Offerman right. saying this guy this is the best guy yes. ever in the world and um I wanted to talk to Dan Gore who was running that joint for a long time I don't know if you know Dan mm -hmm. I but we couldn't get together cuz he's working on another he's working on like a pilot or something but uh, I really wanted to talk to him because I love that show so much. I wanted to see how they operate. It is funny. It's like once you get a good thing going, um, networks pick it apart for parts. And, and, you know, it's like you you want the people in your that work with you to do what's best for their career and blossom and, and everything. But there's a, also this part of you that's like, hey, we've got this good thing going. Like... You know, um, let's stay together, you know. So it's, I, I, I bet that's hard because, boy, I mean, so much has come out of Parks and Rec specifically in terms of writers and producers blossoming out into other things, mm -hmm. you know. But the quality seems to stay consistently, you know, good. And Amy's so great, you know. It's, yeah, it's really crazy. But in general, I have a hard time watching comedy because 
either I don't like it or I'm, I'm nitpicky. It's work because that's our world. I mean, I'm surprised that you can get lost. I can get lost in a drama, you know? I, well, I love I, it. I, I just, think, anything uh, yeah. from from The Sopranos to a, a Bones, say. <laughs> All the way to Bones. <laughs> Not that that's from the Sopranos, end. Sopranos, which is great. No, All but the I way mean, over there's bones. more pedestrian shows, Bones and NCIS, that I totally love too. You know, See, but yeah, they, yeah, they're not elliptical level shows. I never me. really thought of it that way. Like, I'm not really going to get too influenced on what I do, what I do at the right. Daily Show by right. watching Parks and Rec. Right, that's what escape you do for is, me. Is a whole other kind. Yeah, of that's thing. that's escape for me. And a lot of the people that I know work on these shows. Right. So uh, for you know, it got to a point where most of the stuff I was watching was specifically because, oh, so-and-so's over there right now, so I gotta watch right, him be able right. to call her and say this. Yeah, um, and and then you get wrapped up in them or not. But I also got to a point where, I don't know what it was, I, I just kind of committed myself to watching kind of every single pilot, like every pilot I could get my hands on that year. I would tape them all and watch them all. Oh, that's interesting. To see how they put together a pilot. It's so hard to have a good, for pilots to be good because they yeah. have to lay so much pipe. But there are, I mean, God, I was in Australia and for some reason the Cheers pilot was on TV there and I watched really? it and it was flawless. Really? You know, and I remember Gary Shandling saying something to me because there's, they, they, I think networks want so much exposition in pilots, but it, it takes you out of it, you know? It has to be effortlessly done. Like with Mary Tyler Moore, she had just, what did she, walked away from the altar and she um, starts a new job. So she's meeting all these characters for the first time and through her, I didn't know that aspect of her. I, all the characters. I don't remember that. She literally was like a runaway bride. That's how they started I her I think off. so, yeah. Which how is funny that? because when you hear like, well, independent the, woman, the pilot's about this and, you, and it's like, her relationship doesn't go well, but it's like never, that's not at all what you think about when you think of Mary Tyler Moore, but it was a device for a pilot that worked perfectly without that awful feeling of, uh, but you're a lawyer and you, you uh, know, have that terrible My dad's a lawyer and so he'll be lazy. able to do this thing for you. Right. But, um, but what Gary Shanling once said, I remember against all that exposition in a pilot is when you meet people, you're meeting them in the middle of their lives, in the middle of your life, and you don't get all the information about them in that moment, you you piece it together as you spend more and more time with them. Yeah, that's really, yeah. And but it, they're afraid go, to take that time with the sitcom. Well, that's the thing is like, especially on networks who have so much to lose and so little to gain at this point, you know? I mean, people don't watch television. There is no appointment television anymore unless it's sports or something that America votes on. So. To be a network in this climate, in, in my opinion, it's like um, there, it's there's too much money at risk for how irrelevant they've become. You know what I mean? If I were if I ran a network, I would show live sports, live America votes on you know American Idol League contest type stuff, and then I would show reruns of new shows on cable channels that are taking risks that have sh proved themselves to be um, well-received. Yeah. That's how safe a network probably should play it. And then just pick shows Because as they develop new shows, they just ruin them. I mean, there are good shows on networks, uh, surely, but 
It's just they, they, they want everything in the pilot, every possible love interest, every possible tease, and they don't let any shows kind of just unfold. And also they make 22 of, who wants to make 22 of anything in a year? You know, it's, I think the British well, style cookies. of things I could, is. Uh, I could do cookies. You are hilarious. That seems half sincere. 22 cookies in a year? Well, I'm just saying I wouldn't necessarily stop there, but if you're saying like who could make 22 of anything, just, I don't know, just cookies Dear, came to I mind. think you know what I'm talking about here. I'm, making, I'm talking about television shows. <laughs> speaking, well, just real quick, speaking of television. And it's awesome, but I told Sarah that I would bring candies for her. Oh, well, you did tell me that. Because she switched... Ooh, the, oh, um, nature's candy. She switched candy. the time for me because I've been seeing a lot of people and I, I was didn't happy want to. to. Look at that one. I thought you'd like that one. No, it's gelatin. No? Okay, but how about the, oh, this you can't do? The, the sure. Twizzlers? There's no gelatin in Twizzlers. I don't know. It's, it's all nat natural. Yeah, the Twizzlers grow on trees and stuff. I got four of those. I thought you'd like those. And there's the Hershey's Dark. I don't know if you... You don't usually go for the chocolate. No, I like... Cho are, are you kidding? I end my night with the Hershey milk chocolate bar. So good. There you go. I'm going to take all of these except for these. Because okay. these are yeah. gross. So, yeah, they are totally gross. I just... I, 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 I apologize them for bringing them me. in here. <laughs> I was really just trying to get rid of them. I found them in the car. It would be good to freeze raisins. Uh, It'd be fun to eat them like... Oh, well, you like know, each I, one would be like a chewy challenge. I can tell you that, uh, um, like, we freeze a lot of stuff for the yeah. and, and for the for the babies and stuff. And, oh, and like, wait, here's what I had recently that. Uh, uh, well, you've had a frozen banana, like a like a chocolate covered banana, but mm -hmm. for some reason, I never just ate a frozen banana. And yeah. It was delicious. Such a well, treat. it's like Mitch Hedberg's uh, joke. Uh, want a frozen banana? No, but I want a regular banana later. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever hear Todd Glass do Mitch Hedberg jokes as Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> hey, rice is great if you want to eat a thousand of something. Yeah. <laughs> it works. It's so good. That's really Comedy funny. remixes. Don't you, Todd Glass. don't you do a show? like? Uh, um, a, do you do a regular show, a stand-up show here? Yeah, I do a monthly show at Largo. Okay. And I go second to last. So it's just, it's Sarah and friends. And then and you have way, somebody that goes on after you? Is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah, I like oh. to go, I like to have someone go on after me because I like to smoke pot and watch the rest of the show and not be lonely because I'm last and I get off and all the comics have left. Right. Plus, it's like, good, I can try new things. I cannot try new things. I can just kind of, you know. You're not the headliner I'm very ragtag. I don't like going last. It's lonely. Mm, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. I you, have to go last on the road, so. Yeah, right. Do you do a lot of road stuff? <sighs> no, not as much as I should, but I am about to go on the road. I'm going to go from Florida to New Jersey. Are you doing clubs? No, theaters. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm doing, I'm getting ready for a special. I'm oh, okay. doing an HBO for special. HBO? Oh, for great. For a special in a long time. Yeah, oh, that's Five, nice. Eight years. You heard it here second or third. <laughs> Assuming they've heard this already. When is that gonna? When are you gonna tape it? Um, I think early May, hopefully. Cause uh, where? New York, New York. I wanted to tape it in Brooklyn. I wanted to tape That's it at cool. the um, Bell House. Uh -huh. That was the plan, but um, the budget's so small, we can't afford it. What? 
So I've got to shoot it in town, which I really, I didn't want to shoot it in L.A. because I feel like I've exhausted L.A. Like, I'm, I'm, I live here, you know? Right. But um, I did find a venue that um, is really small, which has also been a fantasy of mine, of doing, like, a big special, like an HBO right, special. awesome. For, I like, a 40-person crowd. Ah, God, yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. Are they sitting at, like, tables with little lights yeah. on them? Yep. So it's just nightclub. And it's tiny. That's great. It's tiny. So And we can sweeten it in post. So <laughs> no, I just I like the idea of that. I like the idea of of doing a special that is with this tiny intimate crowd that you almost get used to the faces in the crowd from the you Well, know? let's let's get I, I want to get back to stand up with you at one point, but I sort of interrupted with the stupid candy thing of um, you know, a nice little role that you were on about and I don't disagree with you at all about all that stuff about uh, um, you know developing shows and how they, they you, you just probably have a, a, a closer relationship to it. But you, you know, see it all the time. And when I watch, that's part of the reason that I watch the, all the smart, pilots. You're know. smart. I watch them not just so that I can figure out what I like, but to see how and how often they do shit wrong. And it's kind of amazing how frequently you still see people say, yeah, well, but I'm a lawyer. You, you, that Ugh. you see those things and you really it's think brutal. like, really? And I'm all for all failure. I'm all for trying Love things failure. that fail. It's, it's, the, it's the choices that are made out of fear and second guessing that I'm just not into. Look, I own this apartment. Mm. I own my sob I've had for 10 years. It works perfectly. I don't have to make compromises for money and I, it's not what brings me happiness. So... I did a network pilot. I don't regret it, but I can't believe I did it. I must have been that's under wild, some kind of yeah. weird spell. Tell, tell me, like, uh, that's... Especially and after the, there were such... so many cooks. Like, I did right. it because well, I met with Ron Howard and I fell in love with him. Well, yeah. And I made a deal with Imagine to make this. But what I didn't realize was Imagine's umbrella company is 20th Century Fox. And then the, we made the deal with NBC for the pilot. So... There are these three giant entities. All with something stake in it. And every shit we took, I had to go through each one of those entities. I had to go through so many hoops for every tiny decision. And it really made me realize how lucky we were at Comedy Central, who drove me crazy. But, you know, right. I'm... But one person's wow. driving you crazy. That not... said, we ended up not needing... Well, we didn't really have to make creative... Um, Compromises. It just was so excruciating for to the have pilot to go or through. for the for the Sarah Silverman program. Mm, definitely not for the Sarah Silverman program. Yeah, right. We did anything we wanted right. as long as we could justify to standards and practices, right? Or give them an easy thing that they could say to lawyers that made sense. You know what Sarah's talking about is uh, a lot of times when you get to a point, you can get to a point. Like John is definitely at that point. He's been at that point for a long time. Where really nobody fucks with our content. Right. The only thing that you kind of have to do, just and it becomes sort of like a, just a just a game. Yes, it's is, a game. Is run it by legal. So legal goes through the script and kind of you know sometimes it seems like in a in a in a way to. Um, oh man. Okay. Right, let's let's remember that where that is, and I'll do. I'm gonna do. Um, what happened? We'll stop here for a second. I'm doing FaceTime with my wife. You can't lose. <laughs> Look, at him him. Look at him. He loves that cheese. That's good cheese, Parker. Look at him loving that cheese. Look at his dimples. Oh, my God. Hey, little man. Put a car out there. Hurry up. 
Hey, baby. 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 baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, all right, everything Aww. cool? Let me see little man again. Yeah, How old's the girl? One. <gasps> All right, I'll, I'll talk to you later, baby. Bye. Bye, family. Bye, family. You have a family. Isn't that fun? I don't know. She's... <laughs> I like how much you like kids, though. It's nice. Oh. They smell nice. Mm. Except when they poop. Then they smell like poop. Yeah. But it's brief. Are we back? We're was back. this all recorded? I turned it off because it's I all recorded. I turned it off, which I shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but uh, then I turned it back on, so we got a little bit of it, which is fun. But we were talking about uh, um, just the, hoops. The, yeah, jumping through hoops. You mean? Oh, I was talking about legal. That's what. Right. I was talking about legal, and here's like this is an example of it. They just kind of they just go through, and sometimes the stuff that they come back to you with seems like just stuff like to justify their job. Mm -hmm. almost, you know what I mean? So they'll come through and they'll say like, um, "You say snatch here, and you know we can't. You can't say snatch. All right. How about twat? Okay. It's and, bizarre. And twat's funnier than snatch, and so you're like, great, we win again. You know, and it, so it's just weird sort of things that make you think like. Why did you bug me about Snatch if you let me say twat? I don't get it. Because once they got a letter about Snatch and they haven't gotten a letter about twat yet, but they will. And then that will be. <laughs> I'm going to write that letter right now. But yeah, it's very random. And, and also it, it has so much to do with the individual lawyer's bag of shit. You know, like we had one and I loved her, you know, but she, she went to Catholic school. She has that Catholic guilt. And she would have so, and she wouldn't let us say something vaginal, labia or something. And she's like, actual no, it's term a, though, an, an actual yeah, English a clinical. word. Yeah, And I and and I said, but we can say balls, we can say penis. I said, this is this is your hang up. Yeah, right. That yeah. you're putting. And How'd so, that go so over? I said, I said, okay, but to not be able to say labia or vulva whatever it was I right. said you're telling you you your actions are telling young girls that the parts of their bodies are gross so if you're comfortable with that okay and she was like all right say it <laughs> and she was really cool but she was the one who pointed that out she said my catholic school upbringing has skewed what I, my shame. She admitted that when you first started giving her shit about not being yes, able to Yes, and that's why I loved her, because she would say things that had to do with her own shit, which is how every rule is made in every capacity. But she was able to kind of step outside of it and see it, and I just thought that was, that's even cooler, you know? Right, right, yeah, like, right. To like be able to correct herself. Someone like who's that. a born liberal is whatever that's fine but someone who was raised republican and changed or I, that's very skewed to my views obviously yeah, yeah, but a little, but i just mean a little. someone who changes as opposed to someone who doesn't change is always to me impressive you know like well, you watch i'm a big howard stern fan do you listen to stern no I'm a big I mean, I did, fan. but I don't anymore. And back when he started when they play reruns he was such an uptight angry um, closed off 
fear-based asshole. And he's just to, to over these so many years of him being on the radio to watch him grow and change and learn and be so different. You know, I mean, I loved him then, but I, I cringe when I hear it now. And I think that's a good thing. You're supposed to cringe when you went with the old stuff. That's, that means there's been change, you right. know, and I love that in, in him. You know? I, I, well, it's just, what is he on? Serious? Mm-hmm. I don't have that, first of all. I have to Do you need to borrow I'll, some money? I'll, I'll, you know, I, what do you got? <laughs> Nothing. I'm, I'm famous from free videos I made on my couch <laughs> and a Comedy Central show. Yeah, yeah, those were good, though. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think this is interesting, this whole idea of just getting a pilot made and the difficulty of that. I didn't know that you had done a, a network pilot. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the, the comparison... And it seems like we already kind of know where this is going, but some details might be nice between getting the Sarah Silverman program kind of created, you know, from pitch to creation and how this thing went down with this with this network show that you probably had you were leery of from the get go. And but then Ron Howard and all the stuff that he's done. I and wasn't you're like, leery of it because what because. When NBC was kind of pursuing it after we pitched it, we pitched it to all the networks and they all seemed to want it. And I got on the phone with Bob Greenblatt and he said everything I could ever dream of hearing. And I completely fell under that spell of forgetting that none of it's true. (laughs) I mean, he may genuinely mean it. I'm not calling him a liar. Right. But he was like, he he had just gotten his job. Everything was was dreaming and hopeful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said, I just came from Showtime where I developed Weeds and, and uh, Nurse Jackie and blah, blah, blah. And I want to bring that sensibility to network. And I, I said, I love that because I'm not looking to make a joke factory show. I want to make a, sh- a show that it's that's um, emotional and, you know, it. I'm not weary of being on a network because I want to say pussy. I want to be able to be far out. And I believe that people in Poughkeepsie that you're afraid of might not be on board will be. You know, I just want to be able to be weird. Right. And, um... Like on your... Unconventional. Like, like on your original show. Except that it was nothing like that. And I think they almost wanted more of that and... and didn't you know I, it was I, nothing like that by your choice yeah okay yeah I wanted well to sure do you want to do something different of course of course and I wanted to play a, a real woman and who who means well and who is less of a Bugs Bunny character that I loved so much doing yeah. you know but <laughs> is that how you describe it You're, your character is a yeah. Bugs Bunny character on there did that just come out or have you said that before I've said it well I Liam Lynch when I did Jesus Magic she he um he directed Jesus' Magic, and that's how he described me. <clears throat> and I think of the show was kind of a spinoff of that concert movie because, um, you know, that's what I showed them. I showed them the first 10 minutes of Jesus' Magic, which was... With my some sister, of the sketches well, in it and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it starts with my sister Laura and Brian Posehn sitting on my couch, and we're talking and hanging out, and I'm insecurely lying to make my life sound better. And then it goes from just very real hanging out conversational into full on like musical into stand up. So 
I wanted to do that. I wanted to do make like a show that was a musical that was weird and would go from being very real to very colorful and and you know like and treat that as sort of like a dream sequence or something. No, just as if it's it doesn't matter. Like in musicals, like nobody goes, "Hey, you just sang bells are ringing." <laughs> you know. Somebody should, I think it all the time. I shouldn't stand up in the middle of it and say like, what's up? Do you guys realize what you're doing right now? This is weird. Yeah, this isn't weird to anybody? <laughs> this is not, it'd be fun to like stand up in you're the middle of a musical. A, is this not just, weird to anybody here? You just wrote a here? song about paying your rent? Is that true? You just came up with that? What That's is so happening weird. Here? Did you guys organize that dance in harmony? You could have got through that a lot quicker without like breaking into <laughs> song. Like there was a, there was a chorus. You know, I didn't need to hear it again. And in the pilot that I made for NBC, there was an element of suspended disbelief, which was in a very different way, which was, um that there would be these kind of limbos where my character and some people existing in there um, talk about what just happened and the psychology of it and, and that as, as I lead this group in breaking it down, I, I also am riddle, you know, have my own insecurities and right. stuff in that, in that suspended world. I, I think they did the right thing not picking it up. I have no... This isn't about to, I'm not trying to go, look what we did and they didn't pick it up. I, I'm so happy. I don't want to be on network. I don't, I, I was under a weird spell. Um, wow. But I, I, I don't want to do 22 of anything in a year. See, that's, and that's surprising too. And that, it's just, uh, um, oh, I just saw Jessica's name up there. <laughs> um, that with all that you've done and the experience that you have and the clear head that you have on your shoulders and the the thought that you put into what you do that even someone like you can still get fooled because you believe people who look into your eyes and say things <laughs> and it, it you forget not to and i'm not talking about ron howard because he no. is the most oh I can't say enough nice things about him. I, he, I he's met so him at special. your party. Yeah. And I loved talking to him. I couldn't God, believe that I got to talk to him so for as long as I did. He's so real and so special and such a friend of So was that around art. when that was happening or did you know him before? That's yeah. when we first met to talk about a totally really? different idea I had. And 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 that was, uh, we met about a slightly different version of that, a different idea. And it became a whole other show that we created, me along with Dan Sterling and John Schrader. Ah. And... It became so complex. It How's was Dan a really good it? show. He's great. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, but I just wasn't feeling it. We were about to pitch it. We had meetings scheduled and everything. And I emailed Ron and I said, I don't have that feeling in my gut where I can't wait for the world to see this. I want to like scrap it and start over. And I thought he would be annoyed. And he was like, I'm with you, big ass. Whatever you... He was just behind me. It was just... That feeling of support was just so, so wonderful. It's just that Imagine is a little company that is funded by this giant mm -hmm. monster, 20th Century Fox, who I don't think ever cared about the show. And then NBC, who was leasing it or whoever, however that works. But, uh, but you know, what are you going to do? I, but I, I feel like a, um, a channel devoted to unpicked up pilots. They used to have fascinating. that. Fascinating, really. It was called Trio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember? Oh, right. 
And that was uh, what that that was the plan behind Trio. Well, they had a program on it called Brilliant but Cancelled. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. And I think that was shut down real fast, as was the whole network. Because they probably just found that they weren't able to get content because everybody's like, no, I'm just not even going to put it on that. Sam Cedar, actually, and I, I was in it, um, made a mini series of his movie pilot season that we made so long ago yeah, yeah. for Trio. I have, which a, was so I have great a copy of that was, in my office. Yeah, it's like a, a, oh, no, no, a I have spin-off who's the of a movie. No, Yeah, Who's the Caboose? Yeah. A spin-off of a movie no one saw on a channel nobody has. So Who's the it's like so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. On a channel nobody has. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. In a, in a universe long forgotten. Which is, you know, I think cool. <laughs> That's why it's like we're doing this, I'm doing this internet venture now. You know, the internet thing. Because really, I love making videos. I like just making stuff that I like and posting it. I mean, it. there's no money in, in it, but um, that's just never been my motivation. I keep my yeah. overhead very low for that reason. So myself, Tim and Eric, Michael, Sarah, and Reggie Watts started this jash.com that's just... Um, I haven't seen we, it. It just went live. I okay. mean, there's barely anything on ja- it. You How do you spell Jash. J-A-S-H. We wanted it to be Josh, but it was too expensive. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? We wanted it to be Josh.com, but it, it, it was too expensive. Somebody had that and you had to buy yeah. it from them and they wouldn't sell it yeah, to you? Yeah, we go, oh, call Josh. <laughs> what does it matter ultimately <laughs> what, what anything matter? is called? Yeah, but if you were working with a network, that decision would slow everything down to like a, to a crawl. Yeah, they <laughs> have to like test it 12 times. <laughs> but, you know, nothing's crazy once you're used to it. That's why, like... A show called Friends. I remember when that first came out laughing and going, oh, you're going to call it Friends? Ooh, it's about Friends. Like, it sounds so corny, but you don't even think about it now. It's Friends. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter what you call things. Happy Days. Oh, you're going to call it Happy Days? What does that even mean? <laughs> well, it means day, the days that were happy. Remember when you had yeah, those Yeah, but you don't think days? about that. You just think Happy Days. Um, so the jash.com. Is just coming. It's just coming on. All now. we we have, yeah. Google YouTube funds it. You know, I mean, it's not like we have for oh, yeah. our ideas kind I, of a, a shoestring budget, but it's always enough to make it work. I can think of an idea and shoot it next week. Whatever like, you want to do. It's just been really the opposite of all this other show busy kind of stuff. Well, it's funny, like know? with your pro, with that stuff, and with your with with the Sarah Silverman program, and 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 shows like that. That are like you say on channels that where you can get a little bit more freedom. the The difference between them and your your kind of fairly standard network show, and a lot of them are good, but there's a standard kind of thing that's happening a lot, is stark as far as the goofiness w- without having to like go for a hard laugh like every you know have have a laugh every certain thing. You can have some reality in there. And watching like Louis' show where. You see a guy who has there are whole episodes that are dramatic. I mean, you know when just... he when I saw when I watched the Miami episode, you know where he goes where he goes down to Miami to do a show and he kind of and he and he makes friends with the lifeguard oh, who yes. saves him, but he's not really being saved. He's just like get my wallet from the guy, which was so funny. So I watched that and it just that was the making first one. a new friendship as yeah. an adult. Like and that. there was a lot of there was there was funny stuff in there, but it's all real funny, you know. And it was a really good Louis episode. And but when I watched that. What I thought was the most fascinating and the most telling about what, what he's doing and what he's capable of was just the kind of cinematography of 
the guy taking him through Miami mm-hmm. and going to the party and coming back and how different that was not only from kind of anything else that you would see on television but from the episode itself it was just like a departure from the episode itself and then it goes back to Miami where he's with this guy again but it was just this fantasy thing and the way it was shot I was like it's it's a matter of time before Louis up for an Academy Award for making a movie oh he's always I mean look so he, good he when he was making movies when we were just starting out and yeah, cameras right. were new and, all of them at the what was the jazz the club right by the comedy started and he uses the same crew. That's the yeah. same crew from then. Blair Briard. And- yeah, and um, he's just always been, uh, had a vision, you know, and I mean, he's like an, a 30 years in the making overnight success, you know, which yeah, I love. That's and, always, that's, that's often the case unless, you know. Yeah, in, and you can 12. see, you can see his influence on girls very clearly and Lena. I mean, uh, even this season, she... She did an ep- you know, she did that episode that is just was her with Patrick Wilson or whoever, like in his those, brownstone, that thing. Yeah, the 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 kind of just total digression from the from the track of the show, right, right. you know, and and taking that license and stuff. Um, it's interesting. So when when you did, I'm being. Am I being too serious? No, 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 goofy, no, no, right? no, no. Uh, you know, uh, there's there's plenty of that. I see. This Me. is what I like. I did an episode with Ed Helms, and what I loved about it was that I was able to have a conversation with him that was not, you know, what's up with Hangover Three, and we're talking about like, you know, how his acting affects writing and how he writes a lot himself. And we end up talking right. about like Jeff who lives at home and the Duplass brothers and how they go about their process. And it was, to me, it was the most fascinating thing up to that point that I had talked about with anybody. Right. But I also felt like it gave Ed an opportunity to not have to be like Ed to, or to right. be Ed it's and funny, not have to be like that guy from The Hangover. It's funny how podcasts work because I always had disdain for comics who took themselves seriously on talk shows. Like, my, you know, because I guess Steve Martin is my idol and was always my idol growing up, I just thought, like, if you're on a talk show, you better be funny if you're a comic. You know, have a game plan, have a bit, be funny. But podcasts have really become a place where you can, like, just go, oh, yeah, what I love is comedy. That's what we share, and let's break it down and talk about it. And right. Like a therapy yeah. session, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's super fun. You know, I always say, like, I don't want to deconstruct it. It ruins it. But I, I do love deconstructing it, despite myself, because it's my, you know, it's Well, it helps we you understand it. Like I, I remember when I was a kid, the, the, there was a guy who literally, like, would take engines and take them apart and then put them back together. And that fucker knew more about engines than anybody I knew. And so, you know, I don't think there's necessarily harm in it as long as there isn't really that too much of a, like, a seriousness thing because it is a thing that we do. It's it's an art. It's it's a difficult thing. It's a thing that takes a lot of thought. I mean, a lot of people maybe have their idea in the head, like... I can't tell you how many people probably think that John isn't even reading stuff. It's like, how does, you know, you know what I mean? Like, they don't even know he has a print. Yeah. Top of his head. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the internet has killed in a way. I mean, I'm, I love the internet and all it has to offer. But, you know, where people go, oh, uh, that comic said that already. I saw in a video of blah, 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 blah. It's like, do you, have, do you think that Richard Pryor just said new things every time he went on stage and didn't hone <laughs> yeah, for right. two years? Well, that's what's you know? ruined that, yeah. Chris, I, Chris Rock had a... Had a um, I heard him talking about how it's just impossible for him, or very difficult for a guy like him 
to go around working on material. And he's very brave and he's willing to bomb and bomb and bomb with new material while he hones it and figures it out. I'm not saying bomb and bomb and bomb, but to, you know, so many comics who just stay in one place once they're famous, it's because they're terrified to go out and disappoint crowds that have one specific expectation of them. Mm -hmm. But unless they do that, they will not grow, you know? So it's just, you know, either you're, uh, and I hate using this example because he's such a lovely guy and I believe in him and I think he's a wonderful actor, but But. (laughs) either you're the dice man, Uh you know, or you're whoever he is now, you know, like I would love to see what he would do now as a grown man 20 years later figuring what he's figured out and how that's influenced his comedy you know i mean and that might not but in in fairness to him and i I can't remember what i last saw i hate using him as an example right no no but i saw him in something recently where he was like he was really good when he's an actor i mean he's really great well he might not even be the best example of that because a guy like that it's such an extreme thing he was selling out giant stadiums doing yeah. fucking stand-up, like two, three shows, which is nuts. And that, and that was a that while ago. character developed, I mean, Lucian used to tell us, you know, that old character developed out of a, a, a Barbarino impression he would do. Is that, I didn't yes. know that. he did like a nutty professor thing where he was a nerd, and then he turned around and he was like Vinnie Barbarino or some impression of like something like that. Yeah, it had to like be that. Vinnie Barbarino. And uh, it came from that, you know, so... I'd right. love to see the vulnerable side of his comedy. Yeah, but what I, what I was getting around to, I think, is that like uh, with with a guy like Dice, it was such a gigantic thing. Um, you're not going to fight that as you're going along, but once you get there, you kind of want to get out, but you know you can't, and then it just becomes such an ingrained part of you. And the only way that people see you that it just it is. It, I'm not just talking about emotionally difficult to change; it's physically difficult. Like yeah, people are holding people you are back. People are paying for they a show that they want to see that's familiar, but they, you have to tell them what they want because you become a caricature of yourself. Otherwise, I mean, the words "hickory dickory duck" should be nowhere near the stage when he's on stage right now. <laughs> it, that's a I, that's a terrible mistake. Well, does he what do he, that though? I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. I'm just these are all. This is all just you know. Um, Total lies. No, I mean, I'm just saying hypothetically. Right, yeah, no, I uh, exactly, right. When I started doing stand-up again, because I stopped for a, a, a long time, a pretty long time, I did yeah, it a I lot. I remember there was a huge hole in the comedy <laughs> climate. I, I know, it was it, it was a bit of an ice age. Yeah. A bit of an ice age. You mm-hmm. could feel that, you felt the chill, even of out here course, in San Diego, yes. LA. People thought it was the Santa Ana's. No, that's what it was. It was the Sans JR's. <laughs> Oh boy, not a word play person. Ah, <laughs> uh, did that not pan out? <laughs> Talk about you. Well, welcome to failure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all for failure. I just don't like lowest common denominator, denominator safety. Right. What does a we did tests to find out what 14 year old boys want to see? Right. Well, what 14 what, year old boys need to be told what they want to see. And I know what they want to see. As, as a former 14-year-old boy, it's a, it's a no-brainer. It's a pretty easy thing. What I was saying was when I got, when I, I stopped stand-up for a while because it just got busy at work and I was just like, it was too much. I didn't want to do like the 115 at fucking cellar anymore or something like that. So I said, fuck it. And, I, I, and if you don't do those, you don't get the other ones. So I was just like, I don't even want to struggle. Brutal. I just stopped. And 
And then a couple of years ago, I was just sort of like, I, I just had the, just had this desire. I just wanted to start doing it again. I did it a couple of times and it, I realized, oh, this is kind of fun again. And, and then it got to a point I, where I, I was doing a show where I was doing some old stuff and I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing, you know, a filet of fish joke or whatever, just because it worked 15 years ago? What is that? And I just told myself that day, no more old shit. Just throw it all away and just work on new stuff. And now, of course, I've got bits that might be, you know, a year and a half old. I've been doing it for a couple of years, but... Um, well, I hone but all that stuff, and it was such too. a, but I it was mean, such, yeah, I know, and you hone, I you do hone, stuff you hone, on TV that you. becomes doesn't become what it's supposed to be until like a year after I've like done right, it on Conan. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But the the point of it is the idea of like I can either start fresh and pressure myself to be thoughtful and honest and creative, or I can just hang on to some thing that I knew worked at one time. And that's not the challenge that you want. And and if you don't keep doing that stuff, then that's you do you can kind of pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. Except like if I was if all the filet of fish joke or whatever was my hickory dickory duck, I might still be hanging on to that for longer than I had because I'm making piles and piles of money doing it, and everybody wants me to do it. Yeah, money so that's is a different the thing, deal. though. Money seems to be such a, um okay excuse for people. Look, I have no it dependence. I, I keep my overhead very low, and so I, you know, it's, it's different for me, but that's a choice I made because I don't want to be pushing a product or selling something right. or especially my own thing well self which is uh i you know i'll tell you one thing i'm always really glad um it makes me feel good that john doesn't do commercials and i oh I know God, we I get can't imagine i know that we get that's how we get paid i know that i get my money from commercials but i hate them i do a big chunk on it just on advertising and stuff and what bullshit it is and how manipulative it is and and part of one thing that i, I i've been wanting to work on without like necessarily shitting on anybody in particular but like like like, I don't know Sofia Vergara, you know, and I love her on the show, and I think she's great. What the fuck are you pitching Coca-Cola for? Why do you need to go do Pepsi. that? It's, it's, well, whatever it is, it's it's sugar water, it's shit, there's no nutritional value, it's crap. It's poison that it is. is killing people. And you're, and, and you're... <laughs> I think what it, is if, I were, if, I, if I were to guess, I would think that she is saying, look, I know I'm in a moment right now and I'm going to make all the money I can because when this show is over, I may be over. Mm. And it's a little different when people don't generate their own material. I mean, God, I thank God every day that we can generate our own material. That we, I mean, if I didn't create my own jobs, I would not be getting jobs. I don't, I I almost never get jobs. So, I mean, I don't judge people who do commercials, but it's it's just not for me. You know, even when people all the time, people even like, you'd be surprised the people and the 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 profile of these people and who email me and say, "Will you tweet about my this movie, my movie or tweet about and I just get so uncomfortable. I mean, I, I, there are certain people in my life I love so much that I can't say no to. But 
I just ignore those. I just, I don't have a Twitter feed so I can pump other people's. <laughs> it's already bad enough when I have to say like, hey, I've got a gig at blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's um, but but that's a, uh, to me, that's okay. I don't want to let people know I'm going to be in North Carolina yeah, right, on the right. 24th or whatever. It's a good whatever. thing for that. It's great, but I like to keep it free of favors for friends and pushing things and and trying to it's so funny mark cohen made a ringtone that is on my phone and i love it so much and it's hilarious and i said mark let me tweet it because i love it so much i feel like people would like it and i Mm -hmm. tweeted it with a link and people were like oh you're a sellout blah 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 but it wasn't it was just i I just wanted people to to buy my friend's uh, ringtone because i have it and it's hilarious to me and i love it play it what is it uh uh, Can I? You want me yeah, to call you? Call you? Me. Was it all your all for your thing? Okay, here we go. There is a whole song too, but um, so this is Mark Cohen. The song was made for perfect Perfect window. Perfect, perfect like, window. Perfect ringtone. Oh, perfect ringtone. The song would make the perfect ringtone. <laughs> oh, by the way, I still have my phone. I still have my phone. I'm listening to your message now. <laughs> oh, that's Gil Scott Heron. Um, and then it goes into a rap. If you what is it? If you get a call, you can't elect to hear this time. It's just funny. I love Mark. Everything <laughs> he does so is so funny to me. So Mark, I, for those and, of you and who don't, got, like, yeah. well, well, Mark Cohen is like. Well, he what, played my dad on my show. He played your dad, yeah, and it was always great. Um, and he was always like such a f- fun comic to watch. Oh, he's such a joy. You know? I just want him, I want everyone to hire him um, all the time. <laughs> so I wanted, you know, I, I, I thought I might want to talk about stand up a little bit, but fuck that. You know, this has been really interesting and that doesn't matter. You know, I, I love this kind of stuff, Sarah, and I really appreciate it. I knew you'd be up for it and cool with it and good about it. Is, uh, you know, I'm finding this is really interesting because I can have a game plan. And then just bail on it because what we're talking about is interesting. That's how and, it's supposed to go. Yeah, like yeah. when you're writing your thesis or you're making a documentary and you think it's about one thing and then it becomes another. And so many people stay on that planned road and miss all the gold. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. in so many ways, directors of movies or you know, writers or it's so interesting. Well, I, and, it's you know, lazy. I used to, I used to, you see that a lot with with you, you know you, when where you see that in interviews is on the news. When they're interviewing somebody, and they say, "Well, that's," they say something fucking crazy, and then and they just da- stay and the David, course. And then David Gregory says, "Well, okay, interesting. I want to get on though to the something. Why? You because they're not living conscious thing. lives, right? Yeah. If you listen to Howard Stern and he and he's interviewing someone, he doesn't miss a a beat, literally a beat. I mean, I remember Jimmy Kimmel giving me advice when I first went on this show, and it's such great advice, which is. Whatever he asks you, answer it immediately. And then you can you can control to what degree you're answering it to, but answer it immediately because it's in that pause of thinking that he realizes that's what to delve into. It's in, in that oh, yeah. beat what, what, what of, uh, of distress that he can pick up on and go, this is going to be gold. Well, I'm what, did you want to say, what did you really want to say there he can go into or whatever? like. Yeah, well, if you don't answer something immediately, that means... You're deciding what 
to and not to reveal, and mm-hmm. that's where and then then he knows that's where, what to dig into. Right. But he's and, a he's a just the greatest interviewer there is. And it's not you know it's 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 not an easy thing if that's the way that you go about it. Like you know after doing a few of these, it's you know I've gotten more comfortable with the idea of like you know uh, I'll prepare this stuff, but fuck it if it doesn't happen, it's not a big deal. And I've always been had kind of contempt for the for the for the news shows that are interviewing somebody and they say something interesting and then they move on to the other question that they have to get to. Why do you have to get to that? Isn't your name on this fucking show? Because a segment producer gave them a list. Right. And, and because that's... they're not living conscious lives. <laughs> right. so they're not they're not they're not living consciously in that moment. They just have this list of stuff that they have to do. Yeah. And Most of the world is asleep. Well, yeah, because it's night in a lot of places. I mean, you're adorable. Am I though? <laughs> Pretty adorable. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, you know, I, I I actually learned that watching John become a better interviewer as he went on. You know, what I discovered by watching him, what I knew, what he was doing was that he was listening to the people he was talking to. Yeah. And you you go in with not the knowledge that you need to go wherever you need to go, and then. You listen to what they're saying and and go into a specific thing that's interesting, rather than trying to cover everything that you've got on your list. And they don't do that. It's, it's such silly. Bullshit. It's a very cocainey vibe to, <laughs> to to ask a question and then just go uh huh uh huh uh huh while they answer and then ask while you're thinking of you know while mm-hmm. you're doing what your next question is going to be instead of listening and let that affect I who is the it? I got a, I got a big huge laugh at work. One day when, um, when uh, it was, you got to laugh at work once. I got to like, I got to, yeah, it was once, and I remember it specifically <laughs> because it doesn't happen a lot. It was some very intense, like James Carville kind of guy that was just being like far too intense, and I just, dis- I described him as a, a guy who corners you at a party on cocaine. That person that gets really intense about a little tiny thing, and then the second you try to answer or say anything, they're just like, you know, like a hummingbird flying over somewhere else. Yeah. And have I ever been that guy? Maybe once or twice. I was that guy recently at South by Southwest. I I was running on fumes, and I had one of these Starbucks double shot things. And I I never, I, I usually start my day with a couple sips of coffee, and it never goes beyond that. I drink this thing. I really, I, I guess I don't, as much as you consciously know that what you're put in your body affects your body, I still didn't think. And I did two interviews after drinking it, and I, I had this gross cocaine kind of energy, like that kind of like just really yeah. aggressive, just like talking a mile a minute. Did you listen to those interviews afterwards? You no, just no, knew no, it I didn't as you were going. In the moment, I was going, oh my God, I can't stop talking. <laughs> this coffee is working, and I hate my energy right now. It's so weird alpha like it is mm-hmm. right now but it was very um it was a lot like that i i don't like that cocaine-ish uh, energy i eject myself from the situation when i'm around it it's like at parties that that first wave of people getting drunk i'm gone they, well, that's my like, cue when when i was a teenager when i was in high school this is in the you know late 70s early 80s how old are you i'm 48 Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, it makes me feel so good about myself. Yeah, right? I know. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's why I'm on Earth. You are in such great shape. And <clears throat> I, I think about you because I go, I'm in, I am exercising because I'm in training just for the rest of my life, just to live a, a happy life, right? To that's what, you, right? Yeah, like absolutely. That. Have I told you that before? Or that's like, No, but I, I see you, even just at poker, I see your 
choices and your what you do and they're not always great depends on how much weed you'll have a pint of ice cream just like i'll have a hershey bar at the end of the night because i know i've eaten well and it's not a big deal i can have that yeah, but it nice is, and, and the you know my 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 kids made a big difference in that too. It's sort of like you know if I'm going to be around and be, you know I want to be able to chase them around, you got you got to take care of yourself. Plus, it's you know why wouldn't you take care of yourself? We're fucking amazing. It's bizarre. I mean, people, it's crazy to me. I mean, the, the human body in general. Put, the human body. I I've been talking about this on stage, you know, because it's yeah we're just used to it, so it's it's not miraculous to us I mean, the fact that my right. my brain is telling my hand to move right now Nothing. or that we one thing i'm working on now is this like that the human body adapts to the elements no matter what we even if our brain doesn't tell it to you know you get a homeless guy in the winter in new york with no shoes his body makes his own moccasins <laughs> i'm not sure about that he doesn't have shoes his his human <laughs> body makes shoes i think the guy's just got uh calloused feet that's he, that's they, the human body adapting to the elements i love that it's making it's moccasins. leather it that's leather yeah God, they're so good. Why am stuff. I so excited about this? I don't know. It's very, it's a very exciting thing. Because it's know, a newer joke, and I'm it's like, a new bit. still figuring it out and trying to hash well, it out as I, I talk to I, you yeah. on this podcast. When, and here's and, and here's a bit that I've, I've I've been I haven't been hashing out, but I just have like what's one of those things I had written and, and weighed down there. Nobody has the work ethic of a homeless person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when you see you go ahead and fucking try walking around town all day with a train of five shopping carts just loaded down with cans and rugs and shit and see how long you last. Like they're amazing and they need yeah. to be put to work for my benefit. And that's what, <laughs> I think that's what's written down in my note and that got a laugh from you. It's a funny thing. I just need to figure out what I'm going to do about that. See yeah, what I'm saying? That's good. That's the, that's the fun of comedy. Then you They gotta... work through lunch a lot of the time. <laughs> They can't use it. I'd be so honored. Thank you, Sarah. We're done. We're done. That's all I needed from you. I've got, I've got everything I need. I got my, uh, I got my joke. <laughs> Sarah Silverman was our guest on uh, Writer's Block Podcast, and she was great as expected. And thank you for listening. And Sarah, thank you for uh, uh, letting me into your place. And, that was fun. Uh, spending some time with what me. What are you doing it. now? I'm going to go over to Rob Cordry's house. Name dropper. Am I? Did I just come from Mike Scully's office? Ooh. Did I? Yeah, I did. It's fun, though. Yeah. Say goodnight, Sarah. Goodnight, Sarah. Whee!